right. Well, welcome to Curiouser, the podcast where we talk to Iowa's most interesting people. My name is John Gilbertson. I'm the host. And today I am talking to, in my opinion, one of the most vibrant and relevant young voices in the arts, culture, and musical scene in Des Moines. Caleb, a.k.a. Cub Stevens. What's Caleb. up, John? How's it going, man? Appreciate um, you having me today. Oh, thanks for being here, man. So where does music fit in for you uh, into your broader vision? I mean, because I know you have a lot of different facets to what you're doing. And so, um, you know, like where does music have its place? For sure. And I, I, that's, I'm, I, I'm glad you asked that because that has definitely been something I've tried to kind of figure out and hone in on myself. So because I think I grew up in a house with a lot of music and always um, a lot of different rhythms being played, music has always been kind of automatic and natural for me. And so as I've kind of continued to develop different visions uh, of myself and of kind of what I want to do with my life, the music has kind of been there with me. So for me, I really, I've, I always was interested in poetry and the written words specifically. So I've always really just been a writer, but my dad's a percussionist and I have, as a, you know, as a writer and someone who's written music, I've worked with a lot of producers and instrumentalists. Um, and so I think for me personally, I know a lot of a lot of kids who kind of just grab a garage band and throw together some sounds and have, you know, ran to a lot of cool people who do things like that, but also um, know a good range of like older people who playing more instruments and kind of get more into the craft of one specific sound versus being the producer of a whole song. Yeah, sure. But... What uh, what what kind of percussions like did your dad? Do? Yeah, so my dad uh, all types like um, so he played djembe, hand drums, and congas, and talking drums. Um, or so he he would actually do presentations for different African uh, hand drum presentations at like elementary schools here in Iowa. But nice. he he grew up playing the trap set, so playing like he grew up in the L.A. area, so he he was playing a lot of rock and roll type type cuts um That's so he cool. was a big like guns and roses led zeppelin's one of his all-time favorites That's um cool. and so he grew up with a, a more of a rock and roll background in that but since then he's he's been playing since he was like six i think and getting um professional training from guys like marty spivak and kind of he's recently he's been able to pursue um a lot of the drum masters have like virtual options or drum camps that people can go to so during oh, yeah. this pandemic shutdown he's kind of been able to tap in with some of these guys who are just legendary percussionists and get a lot of learning so you can keep growing kind of at home so he's been he's been um it's been interesting to see him through the stages because i used to you know perform with him and see him performing when we were younger and now seeing how things have kind of changed as We've the digital format has grown. It's been interesting for sure. Yeah, sure. Like, do you do your own production? Like, when you're doing music, for for me, it's um, I I remember when I was younger, like we used to try to produce more. And I have one of my cousins. He produces a lot of music stuff um, for the actual songs. But for me, it's really more. I just try to find the right sounds or work with people who are making songs. Um, I kind of just more recently got into working with someone who has a similar kind of vision for the music. And so he's able to come with a sound and then we're able to um, kind of create it just off of the conversation that we have in the studio. So it's kind of more of a interactive process in that regards. But for the most part, it's kind of been like a, a SoundCloud rapper 
you know, looking from beat to beat yeah. um, has worked out pretty well for me. That's cool, man. Uh, I mean, so like, are you the artist in that situation and he's the producer or is it more like a collaboration? Yeah. In, in that situation, um, when, when we're working together to make a song, it's definitely, it's, it's kind of more of, I'm the artist featuring on his track is kind of okay. how it is. So I need to kind of tell him what I'd like the beat to do. He already has a vision for what he might, where he might be going with the sound and then, we kind of just try to create a snapshot of that moment um, versus, yeah, where it's like looking, if you go into uh, beat stars or even just going through YouTube or whatever, and just clicking through beat after beat after beat where it's clear that, you know, here's a producer, someone who made this beat with no thought for me specifically. Here I am an artist. And so you can still bring it together, but it's a lot more demarcated, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a relatively new thing of like, producers who are kind of like the name and then it features an artist because i remember i don't know like maybe the late 2000s mid 2000s like producers started doing that and that was kind of a new thing and i remember a lot of us who were like purists we kind of thought they were you know they were like trying to nab the spotlight and they were like you know denying the artist the proper attention or whatever but like that's kind of become you know sort of a a a new format like what was the um what was attracted uh Bruno Mars did with Mark Ronson. It was like the, uh, yeah, like all like all that idea. stuff. Like 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 <laughs> I guess any like the Mark Ronson stuff where he's got the Dap Kings and it's basically like Mark Ronson and the Dap Kings featuring an artist. Gotcha. And like I remember like way back in the day uh, when Miley Cyrus was just sort of like getting into the pop thing. Like after yeah. uh, like Hannah Montana, like she was doing stuff with that guy Mike Will. I don't yeah, know you know him. Mike Will made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> made it. And I remember uh, uh, I had a uh, one of my best friends is a. Uh, a recording engineer uh, for this guy Andrew Watt, who like does big pop stuff, and yeah. um, he w- he worked on one of those Mike Will songs. And I remember I went into the studio and I was listening to it, and like the song starts out, and like it's kind of this cool beat, and then like some like really like attractive looking woman's like Mike Will made it, yep. and I was like, <laughs> what <laughs> is <exactly> this? <laughs> no, that's yeah. The producers have definitely risen up to the limelight a hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. Cool. I think. A lot of that, I see, especially within hip hop culture, I think a lot of that kind of ties into the the mixtape idea, where these guys who are putting out these mixtapes are the ones breaking some of these artists because they're yeah. they're the ones actually in the street selling it. So whatever whoever whoever's track they're putting onto their mixes, that's going to help them break. So they kind of make they kind of became that DJ role. But then once it's also yeah, once you're also creating the sounds and that producer role. So you look at like Metro Boomin, and um, he's done. It, that that mixtape idea of like a producer and an artist coming together and doing like 30 songs and putting it all as a mixtape they've kind of kept that going but now we do it as albums because like big sean and metro boomin put an album out and metro boomin and 21 savage just put an album out and so like these producers cool. are coming up to yeah like and, and i i think i think it's definitely due at least within hip-hop i can't speak so much for like and i'd say pop or or rock and roll but for hip-hop because like some of these rappers really don't have to do much to the beat the beat already makes the song itself like the rapper just kind of has to (laughs) yell their name a couple times and and a couple (laughs) cool brands that they support yeah but i think that producers starting to get the more of the attention they deserve yeah which is cool. I mean, as a uh, as a former producer, I, I I totally dig that. You know, it's uh it, it's a little less of a thankless role now. Yeah, you, you can because you know, yeah, producers were always able to make some money, but you can also 
you know, get some Instagram followers too. Yeah. If that's something that matters to you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But your goal for music is a little broader than that, right? Yeah. I, I definitely have a, a vision and mission to use art in a way that's beneficial to communities and in ways that benefit people directly. And I think that music is one of the best forms of communication. I think that when you put out um, a song or you put out a even just a, a sound that is um, carefully curated and kind of has the the right mission behind it, that it can say a lot more than what you could say with, with words. So I, I think for yeah. me, it's really become a tool to let people know where I'm at and to let people know where I want to go. And so um, as that's a placemaker, cool. which is kind of more of, that's the, the creative field that I'm um, working towards and aiming towards. I think music kind of, music has always been a place that you could go that's separate from the physical world or separate from most things. And so I think when you're able to incorporate that music world into the physical world, I think that's when a lot of really magical things are able to happen. So it's kind of like yeah. the ether, I would say. Music is just that thing floating around that kind of keeps us connected and keeps us in tune. It's kind of how I view it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you mentioned placemaker. Yeah. What is that? So creative placemaking, I'm glad you asked. I just found out a couple months ago. But <laughs> it's, this, um, it's this field of it's people who, if you see like a, a pop-up, Maybe it's a one-day-only pop-up shop or one-day-only um, installation art. They're um, people who kind of use space in an artistic way and in a way that gives a message. So the way that I've kind of incorporated placemaking um, strategies is some of the um, events that we've curated where it's it's I've been able to bring together musicians who are performing in the same space as visual artists who are painting at the same time and by kind of fusing all these different disciplines together at the same time and in the same place, it's able to create a unique experience. And so placemaking is kind of like, you end up thinking, you, you kind of end up thinking just like event promotion or like installation art, sculpture, things like that. But I think it's just more just kind of almost like an architect would play with space and with the built design world, but with more of an artistic and community focus. So that's cool. It's, it's a new field and it's definitely a mouthful <laughs> and a lot that I'm learning about, but it's been, um, it's been fun to explore in this kind of during lockdown. I've had time to do a lot of, a lot of internet searches for sure. Yeah, sure. So the, the installation you did, uh, recently, yeah. um, and remind me what that was called. The dream I, cube. The dream cube. So yeah, yeah was that like, that was that was the, in placemaking, yeah. Cool, right? And, <laughs> and placemaking, it's kind of so. I'm studying uh, community and regional planning at at Iowa State right now, and so cool. that would be people who look at like zoning practices and community development and stuff um, related to that field. And so um, placemaking kind of it, it comes out of that field, and as such, it usually has a social focus to it. It's usually looking to address something um, in society that maybe can't be addressed through policy. Maybe it would take too long if you went through, you know, the, the proper ways. So what we, like with the Dream Cube, what we were able to do is take over a small amount of space for a specific period of time to share our message about youth homelessness and then also to kind of be a uh, embodiment of some of the things that homelessness looks like as, as far as, um, we had pillows out there in the streets, so it looks like people sleeping in the streets. And so it kind of becomes that something that's able to be a representation while it's also physically 
taking up space. So for sure, it's kind of been like me trying to have a better understanding of the physical world. Whereas before, maybe I was just thinking more on musical terms and you can kind of have your head in the clouds more that way versus being able no to kind intended. of connect the physical, right? <laughs> connect the physical with the music um, and tie it all together. That's cool, man. I mean, so like, how do you see yourself progressing? Like, what are your goals for this kind of thinking and this kind of art? Yeah, I definitely, um, for me, I would love to have my hand in like city design. Some urban designs are actually like the people who yeah. may lay out an entire city or a region. And a lot of the world is, is the, the world is urbanizing a lot quicker than ever before. And so um, we have a bigger population the world does than it's ever seen before. And it is a period of people moving to cities at a higher rate than ever before. And we're experiencing that mostly in in Africa and Asia and um, Southeast Asia. And so sure. for me, I think it would be, I, I'm, I guess I, I've kind of been able to see myself as better understand what's going on in the world around me, not just my immediate surroundings and try to see where I can fit into that bigger vision. So um, a goal or a big goal, I guess, one day would be, yeah, like I had a city or a town that I was instrumental in the way that it's planned or the way that it's, the way that it, the built world um, interacts with the people that live there. Um, I, I kind of want to be like Akon because I know Akon, he's working <laughs> on building his city in Senegal, I think it is. And so I don't know anything about Oh, you don't know this. about no, Akon, no, he that? he recently broke ground on like a billion dollar project where he has like a smart Whoa. city that he's planned and is trying to build in wow. I think in his country. So it, it's that's it, it's I guess um yeah, for me music has always been about creating a place and every song is kind of like a room you can go to and so as a placemaker I'm trying to continue to put that expression into the physical form. And so for me, the ultimate, like even that, that cross that we were looking at spinning out the window is, <laughs> I think that's cool that like, that's something that catches your your eye and definitely is something that communicates their message. And so things like that, that are able to communicate a big message are things that I'm trying to be involved with. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I feel like I'm like, I'm more likely to go to that church after yeah. seeing that, you know? <laughs> no, for real, like the one with the, with the giant rotating cross. That's, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool, man. Okay, so so you grew up in the Des Moines area, right? Or in Ames? Yeah, in Ames. Okay. So just a car ride away. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I I mentioned my buddy in California earlier. He, he, he's been saying that there's been kind of an exodus of like a lot of people leaving LA um, to go to smaller cities. And like now, like I probably see two or three California license plates a day now, yeah. you know? And, and I know yeah. I've, I've spoken to some other people who've considered relocating into, you know, places that are a little bit more livable, like uh, Des Moines. Yeah. Do you see that as an opportunity to kind of be involved with, you know, growing a, a, a place and kind of being instrumental in a place that's likely to grow? Definitely, definitely. Forward? I had, um, I was recently talking to somebody at the um, ISU Extension, their community development wing, and they said that Iowa is one of the bottom five states for art funding right now for public art funding right. and so i think i guess w w i see nothing but potential in that you know right now um there's cities like iowa city or um cedar rapids to some extent that have more of a kind of and here in des moines that have more of a vibrant 
art culture and that try to promote that more. And I think that as those towns continue to grow and to progress in that, and that idea starts to spread more to other towns within Iowa and within other places, I think that we will see a lot of more people moving from like California, where it's a, a, a minimum, you know, two hours of traffic, no matter where you're going or <laughs> yeah. at best, you know, yeah. uh, or, or New York or any place um, where even the rent is just, you know, three to four times higher or whatever. Yeah, I think that out of necessity, we'll start seeing a lot more people out here. And because the Internet is really a, a great um, equalizer in a lot of senses, as long as yeah. people can. As even as we see here in the studio, you know, there's there's a lot of creatives here in the state who are have been finding ways. And I think that if we can continue to amplify their voices and give them increased funding um, through public resources as well, that I think the city can be really vibrant here in Des Moines and that the state can be kind of, it could be that magnet for people looking for something still lively and exciting, but maybe not LA traffic or maybe not you know <laughs> New York rent prices. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of funding, uh, I understand you were involved with the Bravo organization as part of the DreamCube. Is that right? Yeah. So with the DreamCube project, um, that was they were they were one of the stakeholders in that project. So I think that they um, they wanted to showcase uh, a situation where art was used to amplify a social message and to create kind of social benefit, and it was their goal to. Um, to have that here in Des Moines as as you know they're behind funding so many other um of the kind of cultural activities and artistic activities that Des Moines has some of the festivals and things like that um so I was I was involved with um one of their representatives through that she was uh one of the stakeholders for the project and they also we got in contact with um our videographer that was used for that project is someone who has done work with them for other projects as well so okay. um it was it, it was a pretty it was i think seven to, it was eight to somewhere between eight and eleven stakeholders on that project but bravo oh, wow. was one of the most vocal of those that's cool for sure so it was cool to um i'd love to work more kind of directly on a project with them as well but it was cool to see some of their values and um, how they're they're willing to support the arts here in Des Moines. Yeah, for sure. So are you, are you still um, involved with Lonely Grave? Is that I still am, out there? Yes, it is still afloat. It is, cool. <laughs> we're still active. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, so Lonely Grave LLC, that is um, that's a company I started in 2017. That was my first... Um, kind of foray into creative services or into into what it might be to be like a record label, what it could be to be an agency managing creative talent. Um, yeah. It's it still, it was always something kind of unformed as far as where I wanted to go with it and I wanted to leave it that way. But right now it is a, um, we work with communities to create projects such as the DreamCube or such as some of the um, cultural programming that we put on that allows kind of marginalized voices to come to the front. Um, especially here in Iowa, it's still, there are people moving from other places to here, but it's still largely, you know, white, um, cisgendered population who has um, always, there's kind of been a specific, I think, cultural front that's given or specific type of events or funding that's provided um, as far as culture and music and art. And so we kind of look to bring alternate options for that, whether it's, you know, a live hip hop show or if it's a, a show where people are able to come and paint at, at an art show where 
there's actual, you know, professional artists showing their work. Um, it's kind of trying to create these interactive experiences where artists and the public are able to come together and have an experience that is beneficial for both parties. Not Maybe not so one-sided where it's just a showing or it's just a gallery, but something much more encompassing so that people can come and learn about themselves and about whatever culture is being represented there. So we've had um, a series of shows up in Ames that we were doing that we were we, we had a good a good pace of like being able to offer something every month some type of curated experience um due to covid we had to cut back on that and we're still looking for more options to make that a virtual offering um sure but right now yeah lonely grave is still steaming away at placemaking <laughs> it's definitely it's <laughs> yeah. as as someone who you know who started a company it really is just submitting the paperwork as far as being able to officially say, you know, I'm a business owner, this and that. But yeah. that is, I guess, such a such a minuscule part of the process that I do hope a lot of up, up and coming entrepreneurs are able to know that I'm definitely at a spot with my business where I still know it'll be, you know, probably another three to four good years before I could give you like a full story of, you know, <laughs> everything that, that I wanted it to be. But um, the process has taught me a lot. So I hope that a lot of people are able to follow a similar path, I guess, here in Iowa. Yeah. I respect that a lot. Um, the, you know, your, your point to, you know, not putting a label on it too soon. Um, you know, I, you know, what I do, you know, we, we are frequently helping small businesses and entrepreneurs and startups kind of develop their identity from a legal perspective. And it's, it's interesting how, you know, the law of trademarks and copyrights and all that stuff, it kind of, it kind of encourages you to define it early on, which, yeah. which I think is, it can be good because yeah. if you, you know, if, if, if you know what you want to be and you're, and you're doing it, I mean, it, it's all good, but it's not super conducive to letting things develop organically. Yeah. Kind um, of changing minds and, yeah, and, and that, things that, like that. Yeah. And that, that, that's interesting kind of hearing you talk about that. Cause I think a lot of people could benefit from taking some time to sort of figure out their identity before they have to put a label on it, you know, in order to protect themselves. But no, I suppose that's the world we live in. I, but Yeah, <laughs> I feel that. And I, I think it is interesting when it comes to especially working, you know, in a creative format, but still having to operate in the world market and, you know, having to be, have, like you said, those protections that come with that. I think that sure. as an artist, I'm definitely someone who likes to let things develop over time and watch, you know, what kind of changes take place. But I like for me, I think I had like I always had uh, I had a logo and a name early on. So I was able to go ahead and get get that reserved and then get my LLC and all that. So I think that once I kind of created at least taking that step, it was a point where I could kind of relax and be like, okay, so at least I know I have something. So what exactly is it now? So I think it is definitely important for people to not spend so much time, you know, second guessing or trying to figure out what exactly they want, where they're making no progress, but also not to steamroll so fast that they might miss chances to kind of flesh out their brand identity a lot better than what, what they would do if they just said, okay, this is what we do, this is what we offer, and that's it, period. Yeah, so, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and early on, uh, you tend to make mistakes early on, and you don't want, you know, you want to be able to learn from that. You don't want that to reflect poorly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So when you're thinking about how to develop your brand or, you know, when you're looking at future projects and stuff, like who do you look to for inspiration? You know, like who do you respect? For sure. Um, there's this uh, music label in Atlanta called Love Renaissance. Um, and they are, 
they manage artists like um, Black, which is spelled six, the letter six, but then L A C K, Big Baby, cool. Big Baby Jam, Summer Walker, Boogie, a lot of artists who have been recently either up for Grammys or winners of Grammys. And I've been following them for some years. Um, I like uh, a lot of companies that kind of have a small like boutique feel to them, where maybe they're making big moves, but they're still on their um, they're at a corporate level. They're very much to themselves and very much putting making sure the art can lead the business moves, not the other way around. Um, sure. There's this guy uh, Ben Haggerty. He is he's actually from Cedar Falls, I think Cedar Rapids. But he moved out to L.A. a couple years ago, and he now shoots for Beyonce and Jay-Z. Oh, and wow. so he was, he was like, working on their – what project? He, he, was, he, he filmed backstage for Beyonce's uh, Netflix special from her Coachella. I think it was Coachella performance. Okay, and so cool. he's, he's someone who I knew – I was messaging him when he had, like, 16,000 followers. He was already doing well, but then – I watched him get this Jay Z account and just <laughs> blow up. So he actually yeah. he he has a podcast, um, Black with No Cream, that I um, I actually have not checked out the podcast for a while now. But he's someone who's always giving out good advice. I try to peep, check in with. Um, there's a man, Theaster Gates, in Chicago. He has the Rebuild Foundation, and that's a community um, nonprofit where they go in and they have they have certain cultural um, buildings that they operate. So they have like a giant library on um, in a neighborhood that doesn't have easy access to kind of places like a library or they run um, a black cultural theater for to show a lot of black black films. Um, I, I think that's something they have. They have a couple different different projects like that. But he himself, um, he was a he went through the community regional planning program at Iowa State as well at the Astor Gates. And he was cool. recently awarded an honorary um Honorary achievement or honorary membership to the Royal Institute of Architects, RIAA, I think. is In the UK, it's like their highest form of showing honor to an architect. So even though oh, he's, wow. he's not an architect, but he works in ceramics. And so he had a structure um, that earned him that merit. So he's someone wow. that I would li- I'd like to work with in, in the future. And so I've kind of been keeping an eye on him as well. But my Instagram cool. has gotten a, a lot more focused on like other creatives, people who are doing kind of grassroots stuff. And it's been a good tool to stay in touch with people like that, for sure. For sure. Well, I think we're about out of time. Is there anything else you want to cover while we were here? No, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you for having me. I'm always happy to talk about, you know, art community, especially here in Iowa. Um, I do feel that it's kind of, it's an exciting time to be an artist here and to be a business owner. And I feel that there are moves being made to, kind of make sure that um, the future of the state and of some of the industries here are able to grow and better reflect some of the youth and better speak to um, some of the youth experiences. And I hope that we're able to continue that trend and make it a place that, you know, we have such a thriving artistic creative scene and so many things to do that people have to move here from LA, people have to move here from Chicago, you know? So I think yeah. that, I think Des Moines has a good opportunity to be like kind of that diamond in the rough that people might not might not think of it first but we're i think we're experiencing a rebranding so i'm excited to see that carry out yeah i i think you're i think you're spot on i um i think you know this but i grew up here and and um back when i graduated from high school nobody wanted to to stay in des moines yeah. and and it's been amazing now moving back how 
like you said, it's just, it's so much more vibrant. It's so, you know, it's got so much more of an identity and a brand yeah. than it used to have. Um, and it's really exciting because it kind of feels like being in at the ground level when things are getting interesting, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, at least from, you know, talking to you and kind of knowing what you're up to, I mean, I think that's going to help you a lot to kind of be like one of the leading voices, you know, kind of in that scenes. I mean, I'd, it, it's all exciting to me. Very much so. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, three years ago, I would have been happy to know that this would be waiting, you know, uh, as, as at least one step of the journey. So I'm excited to see where we can go from here because yeah. it's been fun. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking to Caleb, a.k.a. Cub Stevens. Should I just say Cub? Because I learned your name is Caleb yeah. uh, from Nick Ganwa. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Hell yeah. Because that's right. Because when I was working with him, I just wanted to Caleb. So it's I was given both nickname, the name and the nickname by my parents. And they, I've had both nicknames and the names since I was little. And cool. neither, like, a lot of people, when I'm doing music, I kind of go by Cub, but... I'm Caleb to most people, so you're really right. not wrong using either one. I, I know that probably doesn't help you at all, but no, it's no, it's it's uh, it's cool. Um, well, that's been episode one of Curiouser, the podcast. Um, we got to give a shout out to Bob Fitch at Waveform Music Studios in the Mainframe Studios building here in downtown Des Moines. And if you haven't checked it out, it is an amazing, interesting vibrant community of artists doing really interesting things. So, Cub, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, John. Please appreciate y'all. Remember Des Moines, stay weird, stay cool. That's KUB. Find me everywhere. Thanks for touching in. I'll see y'all next time. Peace, love, and prosperity. <laughs>